Hey everybody, it's Brother Mike. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to the Sunday night replay. We hope that the message will be a blessing to you and that God will speak to your heart through his word. 1 John chapter number 5 tonight. And uh, on Sunday nights we're going to be doing different series. And the uh, first one I want to deal with is building blocks for every believer. And we'll spend a few weeks talking about the building blocks for a believer's life. And I'm excited about this series. I believe it'll be a help to us. I believe it'll strengthen. I believe it will um, enable us. I believe it'll empower us to live for the Lord. And I believe with all my heart, what we deal with on Sunday ought to be helping us on Monday. Amen? If it doesn't help us on Monday, we probably shouldn't spend a whole lot of time with it on Sunday. But tonight I want us to grab our Bibles in 1 John chapter number 5. And I want you to stand up with me tonight. 1 John chapter number 5, and I want to begin reading in verse number 11, and I want to read down through verse number 13 together tonight. The Bible says, and this is the record that God hath given to us, what? Eternal life. Say that with me. Eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. With the help of the Lord tonight, as we start this series on building blocks for every believer, I want to lay the very first building block that ought to, believe in, ought to be in every believer's life, and it's this. The building block of the assurance of salvation. Amen. The building block of the assurance of salvation. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we certainly do love you. And God, I sure am thankful for the hope of heaven that awaits the child of God. And Lord, I thank you for the music tonight. Lord, I thank you for the time we have to open up your word. I pray that you would speak to us and help us tonight. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you honor, glory, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. One of the basic building blocks in every Christian that they need in their life is the building block that he or she knows that they are saved. It's not a think so, it's not a maybe so, it's not a hope so, but it is a no so of salvation. Well, let me back up long enough to say this. What does it mean to be saved? You say, well, preacher, why are you dealing with something that's so elementary when it comes to our faith? Because what we think is elementary may not be elementary to somebody. What we think is something, that's, uh, something that we ought to all know may be something that somebody does not know. So what does it mean to be saved? This is what it means to be saved. Number one, it means that I have forgiveness of sins. That my sins are forgiven. That I, I don't know about you, but I don't need a big crowd to get happy over the fact that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And when I got saved, I got forgiveness of my sins. Not by a judge of mankind, not by the peers of mankind, but by the God of heaven. He bestowed upon me 
uh, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He took off my unrighteous. That was imputed to Christ when he died on the cross for my sins. Uh, and he gave me the righteousness of his darling son, uh, Jesus Christ. My sins uh, are forgiven. Anybody thankful on a Sunday night? I'm glad I'm saved because my sins are forgiven. What else does that mean? Not only does it mean my sins are forgiven, it means the Holy Spirit lives down on the inside. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 13, after that she believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The moment I trusted Christ, I got sealed by his Spirit. Not on the 90-day plan, not on the 30-minute plan, but the day and the moment that I trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit, Spirit indwelt me. That doesn't mean he comes and goes. It means he forever abides on the inside. He lives on the inside of me. You want me to wave at God? I just waved at him. How many of you thank for that? He lives on the inside of me. So when I got saved, my sins got forgiven. I, the Holy Spirit took up residence down on the inside of me. And heaven is my final destination. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good deal. I gave the Lord my sin, and he gave me his salvation, which means I've got forgiveness of sins. It means the Holy Spirit lives on the inside, who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And when I take my last breath on this side, guess where I'm going to open up my eyes? Absent from the body is present with the Lord. That's more than just a song that we sing. That's more than just a fancy tale. I sure am glad it's a reality for the child of God. I've been with some who've taken that last breath and I've seen a smile come across their face as they cross the, the chilly waters of death, knowing that they're leaving even this side, but hello, they're going to the other side. I sure am glad for the child of God. There is a destination. There is a place. There is a home. There is a hope. And there is a heaven for the child of God. I'm thankful for that. And so these things come with me being saved. And it is better to be a shouting Christian than a doubting Christian. Our salvation is a no-so salvation. You can be saved, and I love this, and know it. You can be saved and know it. If you could have salvation and not know it, you could lose it and not miss it. If you could have salvation and not know it, then you could lose it and not miss it. And listen, if doubts were not a real issue among believers, John would not have written about it in 1 John chapter number 5. It doesn't mean that they're second-class citizens who deal with doubts. It doesn't mean that they don't have enough faith if they deal with doubts. Listen, doubts doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not saved. Listen, we only tend to doubt what we believe. Doubt is to your spirit what pain is to your body. Doubt is to your spirit what pain is to your body. Oh, let me put it down a little bit further. Doubt is to your heart what a check engine light is to your dashboard a check engine light comes on means you got a motor but there's something wrong somewhere and a lot of times when doubt comes into our life we've got some other issues that we are dealing with 
And so when we're dealing with these other issues, it's like the warning light on our dashboard begins to flash. And that check engine light comes on. And so many times we take the hammer and feel like we've got to crush the check engine light because we're tired of seeing it versus getting underneath the hood and dealing with the real problem. My mother-in-law has a van. We, we, we gave her our old van and she ran over, I guess, a boulder or something. This is going out, isn't it? I guess I better retract. She ran over a boulder or a big old rock and it knocked the gas tank loose when she was up in the mountains. Well, she's come down here and it, that check engine light will not go off. I took it to Brother Roy a couple of times and that check engine light will go off and then it comes right back on. It's like the monster at the end of a scary movie. <laughs> you know that hand that keeps coming back up? You know, that's, you know, the thing sits back up. You thought it was over with and poof, that is that check engine light. I believe it is kin to the devil's first cousin because it just always constantly comes. Listen, there are times I want to take the hammer and beat the check engine light. But the problem's not the check engine light. The problem goes back a little bit deeper. And so many times when people deal with doubts in their life, they've got other things, but this is what they do. I must not be saved. My problem is I must not be saved. And the problem is, is they'll go to church and the preacher will say idiotic, and I will use the term idiotic because there ain't nobody here but us, stuff like if you do this, then you can't be saved. If you do that, you can't be saved. And so because that check engine light is flashing and they've got other issues that they're dealing with, they'll make 85 trips down to an altar and get saved and get saved and get saved. Listen, you must be born again, period. <laughs> he didn't say you must be born again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And hopefully that one of those took. But we live in, in a culture where people don't have the basic building block of the assurance of their salvation. If it wasn't something that people dealt with, God wouldn't have put it in his book. But he put it in his book because it's issues that we deal with. Of course, we don't want to admit that at church because we're in church and you must be a bad Christian if you suffer with doubts. Really? John the Baptist must have been a bad Christian. Are you the one or do we look for another? And you know what Jesus said about him? Greatest man born of woman. John who? Baptist. And if he found himself in a dark place, in a confining place to a confusing place. Doesn't it stand to reason that there may be some times in my life that my check engine light is flashing? And I got to get this thing in my life knowing that I'm saved, anchored that I'm saved, settled that I'm saved. So I want to give you some thoughts tonight about that 
that I hope, I hope you will write these things down or tune in tomorrow as we launch this podcast, all right? <laughs> Put in my little tidbit right there. Let me give you some insights about the assurance of our salvation. Listen, number one, salvation begins with a new birth. Salvation begins with a new birth. Look at 1 John chapter number 5 and look at verse number 1. 1 John chapter number 5 and look at verse number 1. Whosoever, I love that word whosoever, don't you? Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of what? God. Did you, can, I, can I go back and just read that a little slower for us tonight? Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of who? God. Do you realize what Jesus told Nicodemus? You must be born again. So he likens this thing of salvation being saved. He likens it to a new birth. He likens being born again to a birth, being born. You say, well, what are the similarities? Well, let's look at a couple of these, the similarities. And why did the Lord use a birth? Talking about being saved, being born again. Because with the birth, conception takes place. At a birth, there is conception that takes place. Where you have a, a man and a woman that come together and there's the egg and there's the seed and there's a conception that takes place. There's a moment of conception. Realize that when I got saved, the Holy Spirit took the water of the word into the heart of faith and a conception took place in my life for this birth to transpire. Aren't you thankful for the day when the Holy Spirit took the word of God to your heart by faith and you heard for the very first time, not by what you saw, but by what you heard. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I sure am glad that somebody got up and opened up the word of God. Not a good news for modern man, not the reader's digest, but open up the word of God. And I sure am thankful that there is power in the word of God when the Holy Spirit can take it and the word of God and put it down in my heart by faith in a conception took place. He compares it to new birth. Then not only does he compare it to a conception takes place, but with a birth, continuation is involved. It is exciting to know that parents pass their life to their children. Think about this. Parents transmit their life to their kids. The kind of life that my mom and dad had is the kind of life they imparted to me. What was that? One that's going to end to death. But when I got born again, the life that was imparted to me at salvation was not temporal life, it was eternal life. He transmitted, I'm feeling a little something on this. He transmitted eternal life to me when I got saved. Hold my mule while I shout. I'm not going to have eternal life. I already got eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. Continuation is involved. Number three, birth. Character is produced. Now, this is a scary thought. How many of you have ever noticed that when you got born, you started picking up traits and looks just like your parents? 
My wife sometimes will say, you're acting like your daddy. That sends, that sends fear in my heart. It should send fear in your heart. Very rarely does she say, you're acting like your mama. It's more all the times so the complaining is more like your daddy. But have you ever noticed that, that traits and the personalities you start picking up? It's almost just like there is a family resemblance. You ever somebody say, wow, I can see your mother's smile, or I can see you got your daddy's eyes, and people say that. You realize that when I got born again, people ought to be seeing some family resemblance. Huh? I see Jesus in you. I see Jesus in how you're living. I'm seeing Jesus how you're loving. I'm seeing Jesus how you're reaching. I'm seeing Jesus. And listen, the traits and the characteristics of our Father ought to be displayed in our life and ought to have a heart of compassion towards people because that's what saved people do. The traits and the personalities of my Heavenly Father ought to be being displayed in my life. Not only we see that character is produced, but look at letter D. There's a completion that transpires. Think about this, when that, when that baby is born. When that baby is born and completion is proud. How many of you know that that birth is a one-time deal? It is a one-time deal. There is a one-time birth. And at that one-time birth, there is a record that is written down. And there is a record of that birth that is kept at a record house. And they have the record that I was born. Years ago, when we took our first mission trip, and uh, all this stuff came out that you had to have birth certificate, we had to get passports. Well, I went to my mom and I said, listen, I got a passport somewhere. I got a, I got a birth certificate somewhere. She said, yeah, here it is. Well, it wasn't a official birth certificate. It was a certificate of birth. So I took that down to the post office where you go get your passport. And they looked at me and said, we can't accept this. I said, why not? She said, it's not proof that you were born. I almost wanted to take a time out and said, lady, I'm here. What kind of proof do you need? I'm standing right in front of you. Well, I was born in Springfield, Missouri. We, I was... I lived six long weeks in Springfield, Missouri, and then uh, came to North Carolina. And so my birth certificate was in Springfield, Missouri. So I remember having to write for that birth certificate all the way out in Springfield, Missouri. You realize this, and this, this helped me so much. I didn't have to keep up with the record. Somebody else was in charge of the record. And how many times did we get nervous trying to keep up with the record? Yep. Yeah. I, sure, yeah, I sure am thankful I know the one who keeps the record book. 
who was there when I was born. I witnessed it, recorded it, and that's why my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. It can't be blotted out. It can't be whited out. It can't be torn out. It's in the Lamb's book of life. Anybody thankful that your name tonight is recorded in the Lamb's book of life? Listen, that's why Jesus told his disciples, hey, listen, don't rejoice over the fact that the devils are subject to your names. Hey, rejoice the fact that your name is recorded in heaven. I got news for you. Isn't it good on a Sunday night just to take five and rejoice that my name is recorded in the Lamb's book of life? It's a one-time deal. But then notice number E with me, letter E. At birth, there is a commencement that occurs. There's a commencement. When a baby is born, I love this. When a baby is born, they don't have a past. All they have are future days. When I, when I got saved, I don't have a past. All I got are future days. How many of you are thankful? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. There is a commencement that takes place. All oh, the joy when I got saved that the burden, all those barriers, all that bondage was lifted off of my life and I found new life in Christ. I got a fresh start. I got new steps out in front of me. All I have for the child of God is a future. I don't have to worry about the past. I sure am thankful with Christ. I have a future future. Commencement occurs. Aren't you thankful for that? And then I want you to notice with me, not only with the commencement that takes place, but notice number, uh, letter F here. There's a certainty that's expected. Now think about this. When a child was born, there was a time when the child was not, and there's a child time when the child is. And in my own life, there was a time when I was not saved. And there came a moment when I was saved. There was a time when I wasn't. And there is a time that I was. Have you ever met the person who said, I've always been saved? There's like a red flag that goes up in my mind and just told me right there. When somebody says something like that, they've never been saved. Because every single person who's saved realizes there was a time when I wasn't. There was a time that I was lost. Because, see, for us to be saved, we have to realize that we're lost. And some of us, the moment that we realized for the very first time that we were lost was the very moment I'm getting saved. And when we realize our lost condition, that's when we found out, I need a Savior for my soul. But there's a time when I wasn't. There's a time that I now am. Isn't it amazing how he compares this to a new birth? Compares a birth with salvation. So we see that it calls it a new birth. And now I want you to notice number two. And we'll spend a little bit of time here. Salvation is revealed through birthmarks. Through birthmarks. How many of you know that most people, about 99% of the world, has a birthmark? I remember when uh, Sarah was born, and she still has this little red mark, but nothing like when she was first born. 
She came out and, I mean, had this big red mark on her arm. And I remember going to the doctor, what's this? They said, that's a birthmark. They called a strawberry. That's a birthmark. And some of y'all remember when she was in the Moses basket over there in the gym, she had that little red mark on her arm. Still there, it's faint, nothing like when she was born. But it was a mark that she was birthed. And listen, when a child of God is born, there will be some birthmarks from their life. There'll be some marks on them. Hey, listen, this is the real deal. They got it. It's real to them. How do you know? And John lays them out for us in 1 John. That word know in 1 John is mentioned 38 times in five little chapters. That's a lot for a five-chapter book. I didn't say the book of Psalms. I'm talking 1 John, five chapters, the word know is mentioned 38 times. Why is that so important? Because he wants you to get a hold of this. Why? Because if you don't get anchored down in the assurance of your salvation, you can't be the witness you need to be. You can't grow. You can't go and do what God wants you to do because you keep struggling with this. How can you witness to somebody when you don't even know yourself if you're saved? Hey, let let me tell you how to be saved. Well, I really don't know all the way, but hold on. I, I think I got it today. But when I have that assurance, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And if he's done it in my life, I know he can do it in your life. If he can change me, if he can change me and work in my life, I got news for you. He can work in your life. What are these tests? Let me give these to you real quickly tonight. Number one, here's the first test, first birthmark that we find. The first birthmark is this. They're going to make me go up there and look for it. Number one, here's the first birthmark. Write this one down. Number one is the commandment test. The commandment test. We find this in 1 John chapter number 2, verses 3 through 6. The Bible says, And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith that he abideth in him ought himself, look at this, ought himself also to walk, even as he Walked. Now listen, we're not saved by keeping the commandments, but when a person gets saved, they'll want to follow God's word. I'm going to back up and say that again. We're not saved by keeping the commandments, but when a person gets saved, they're going to want to follow God's word. There is a desire in their heart to want the word of God and follow that. You say, well, sometimes people get off course. Sometimes people get away from the Lord. Can they still be saved? Yes. Let me say this. Back in the days when John was writing, a lot of people did did movements from here to there by sea. And they would say this about the sailors, that they were keeping the stars. That was the terminology they used, that they kept the stars. Did it mean that they stayed perfectly in line with that star as they traveled? No, this is what it meant. They would be swayed, but they kept their eye on that star. And whether they went to the left or the right, it was the star that kept them lined up. 
And no matter where they drifted to, it was that star that brought them back to that place where they needed to be. Boy, if you notice in your life as a child of God, there have been times when we have dr- that we have drifted and we have strayed. It doesn't mean I wasn't saved, but it was like the Lord brought me back to that word of God and to his presence that I needed back in my life. And I got things straightened back up in my life and I got my life lined back up. And yeah, we went a little further and we strayed a little bit this way, but God's word didn't change and God didn't change his mind. I was still his child. And through that word, he brought me back into fellowship and I went a little further down the road and I strayed a little bit, but God didn't give up on me. He didn't write me out of the family, didn't write me out of the will, but with the word of God, he brought me back in line again. And I'm thankful for the commandments of God that we can line our life up with and keep the commandments. That's what he's talking about, keeping it. That that's my God. That's where I keep my eye. That's where I keep my focus. Not on mankind. Man will let me down. Not on a preacher. He'll let me down. Not on family. They'll let me down. But let me keep my eyes on Jesus. And when I stray a little bit to the right, I sure am glad he knows me my name. I'm glad he knows my need. I'm glad he knows where I am and knows how to line me back up with him. There's that commandment test. And even when a person strays, they know what's true. <laughs> they know what's true. And it's just like the Holy Spirit takes that word of God and gets them right back in line. And this is what I love about it. Because, see, it's not my job to get people to line up. That's not my job. But the Heavenly Father, through the use of His Word, I'm His child, and He knows how to line me back up with His Word. And the commandment test is simply that. His word, am I keeping his word? I may get strayed, but he's using it to draw me back. He's using it. He's working in my life. I can't get away from that word. I can't run from it. Boy, he keeps bringing me back, and he lines me up. That's the commandment test. That's the commandment mark. Birthmark number one is the commandment test. Then I want you to notice number two. Here's the second birthmark is the companion test. Look at 1 John chapter number 3, verses 14 and 15. 1 John chapter number 3, verses 14 and 15. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love who? The brethren. Because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in what? Death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. What's the companion test? Do we love the people of God? Do we love the people of God? God is love, but notice this, and he puts that in us. And I love this in Romans chapter number 5, verse number 5. He says this, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The companion test is this, I will love the people of God because God loves his people. Jesus loves his people. I'm amazed how many people say, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Try that at home with your wife. I love your head, but I don't love your body. (laughs) Welcome to the world of frying pans, my friend. (laughs) You better sleep with one eye open 
if you ever open your mouth and say something that dumb. But there are people who do that spiritually. I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. I love Jesus and I'll follow him, but I'm not going to go to church. No, there's something that for the child of God, they want to be around the people of God. They love the people of God. They care for the people of God. Why? Because we're the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. We're the building of Christ. Listen, we're part of a body that cannot not be destroyed. We cannot die. We're part of a building that cannot decay. We're part of a bride that cannot be divorced. Hey, we're in this thing with Christ. And because I belong to him, I want to love the things that he loves. I want to care about the things that he cares about. And it's his people that he cares about. Listen, the church is not about the four walls. It's not about uh, uh, walls and steeples and buildings. No, no. The church is the people involved. When I was a little kid, I remember going to Sunday school, and I don't know who came up with this, but it was great. How many of y'all remember this? This is the church, and this is the steeple. Open it up, and see, all, see, I realize, y'all, 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 y'all with me, y'all with me. Miss Brownlee, she knew where I was going right off the bat with that. <laughs> and he got the door. All right, she even got a door on that. My church was so poor, we didn't have a door. <laughs> and, and then you heard, this is the church, this is the steeple. Open up to see, no people. Where are the people? Something in the child of God's heart cares for the people of God. I can't explain it. All I know is when I see one of his people suffering and I see one of his crying and they see burdens, there's just something that compels me to want to pray for them. There's just something inside. I can't explain it. They don't even have to be members of this church. They'll be out and about and somebody will come up and they'll, they'll tell me their burden out preaching or something like that. And there's just something in me that cares about that. What is that? That's him. That's him. You'll care about the people of God. You'll care for one another. You'll love one another. What is love in the Bible? It is, it is, it is an action. It's not just a feeling. It's an action. Love is an action word. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. You'll love the things of God. You'll give to the things of God. You'll be a one around the things of God. I'm amazed how many people want to go to church on Sunday but don't want to come back on Sunday night. Why? Man, I want to be back on Sunday night. I want to be back on Wednesday night. I want to be around the people of God. And I want to be around a place that magnifies Him and we can pray together and, and, and find help in time of need. Because we're going to find out in this thing called life, we're going to have issues. We're going to have burdens. We're going to have trouble. Job said a man that is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. And you look at your days, they're few. And then their troubles, they are many. But how many of you have ever come to the house of God? Boy, broken, hurting, and all you could do was just get here. But while you were here, I said, said, while you were here, somebody loved on you. 
somebody prayed for you, got around an altar, begged God in your behalf. But many that have been with cancer, we get around altars and we pray for them. There have been people that have gone through sorrows and we've gotten around them and prayed for them and they'll come back in. God answered that prayer. There's just something on the inside of me that says, I'm glad I can be a part of the family of God. And there is that companion test. Where is it you want to hang out? Who is it that you care about? The people of God. I remember uh, when I was a teenager, we took a mission trip over to, to the Bahamas. And never been, been to this place before. And we were helping a national church. Did not know anybody. We went with uh, uh, Mark Logan at that time. Was my youth pastor. And so we show up here in the Bahamas. And here we are at this church. Never met these people before in my life. But they got to worshiping. Didn't know them from Adam's house cat. But I did know this. They knew the same God I knew. And by the time that you left, by the end of that week, they, became, they were like your family. Ever noticed about that? You may have never met anybody before in your life, but just that connection of being saved and just puts that camaraderie, that companionship. Just, I mean, just instantly. It's like, we've got so much in common. I don't know anything about you, but we've got so much in common. What's that? We've got a future together. God's my father. I've been saved by, by grace. My sins are forgiven. Man, what a great Great God we serve. There's the companion test. Then let me get third test. It's the confidence test. Look here at verse number, uh, chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. Look at this. Notice what the Bible says here. Verse number 10 says this. It says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. That he believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his what? Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The confidence test is the fact that I believe God right now. I've got the witness of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit speaking to your human heart with confidence. You are saved. Confidence test that God said what he meant. He meant what he said. I've got the witness of the word. And then I've got the witness of the Spirit. Let's think about the witness of the Spirit for a moment. Think about this. When I was born the first time, born into this world, Larry and Glenn Edwards, I don't remember a thing about that. But they witnessed it. When I got born the second time to the family of God, I was there, I remember it. And the Holy Spirit witnessed it. You ever thought about that witness who witnessed you getting saved? He was there at Calvary, and he witnessed Jesus die on the cross. He was there three days later, and he saw the stone rolled away, and Jesus walked out alive. He was there in heaven when the angels welcomed back the Son of God who was gone for 33 and a half years. He witnessed him walk down that, that, that golden street with the keys of death and hell. He witnessed that. 
He witnessed the ascension. He witnessed the early church. He witnessed all that. And the day that I got saved, he witnessed the transaction that took place in my heart. And he witnessed the transaction that took place in heaven as my name got recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. I didn't see it get recorded, but the witness that lives down on the inside, the Holy Ghost, witnessed my name getting written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the witness that lives down on the inside. A witness means a first-hand account. Saw it for himself. I don't have a second-hand witness. I don't have a second-hand witness that lives on the inside. I got a first-hand witness that lives down on the inside. Was there when the transaction took place in my heart and was there when the transaction took place in heaven. And now he resides on the inside and he says, boy, I've done seen it. I can testify to you. I've seen a first-hand account. I was there when it took place. I was there when the name was written in the book. You're okay, son. I'm glad I've got the Holy Spirit as a witness down on the inside. I got the witness of the Spirit and I've got the witness of the Word. This is the record that God hath given of His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. You realize that God gave you a spiritual birth certificate found in His Word when you got saved. Romans 10, 13 to me is my spiritual birth certificate. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not might be saved, shall be saved. Well, I deal with folks of salvation. I take them to that verse after they've prayed. What does that mean? That means I'm saved. If you died right now, and I follow up, and I'll ask them, if you died right now, where would you go according to the Word of God? I'd go to heaven. Why? Because Jesus is in my heart. Amen. And I've seen simple little kids who haven't been in church long, but they got saved. You tell them, where's Jesus at? He's in my heart because I asked him. Amen. And I've seen adults in their 70s and 80s. He's in my heart because I've asked him. Years ago, there was a man down off a uh, freeze road down here. His name was Joe Wright. And old Joe, I mean, he came over here in the little building. And an older man, and I'll never forget, one night I was going to go visit him. He was coming to church. He was raising a hand. He wasn't saved, so I wanted to go by and see him. We by his house in June. I had a fellow with me. And uh, June, and I, I, opened, I went, knocked on the door, and Joe opened the door. Now, Joe's probably about 75 years old. He opened the door, and he's standing in his BVDs. I ain't kidding. <laughs> he is standing at the front door, and he's, he's standing in his BVDs. Now, most people will say, Preacher, I, 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 give me a second. I'll, oh, no, not Joe. Come on in, Preacher. So, so I go in, I go in this man's house, he got his BVDs on, he gets over there in that recliner. And I'm not kidding, it's June. The man's got a fire going in June. I mean, I'm sweating. It's like 95,255 degrees in that house. I have never been in a house so hot in my life. He said, are you comfortable? Yeah, man, I'm fine, Joe. He's comfortable, I can tell. He's sitting in that recliner, got his BVDs on. I mean, he's ready to go. He was watching Wheel of Fortune. I'll never forget when he was watching Wheel of Fortune. I guess what all those people do at that age, at that time. And he'll turn that TV off. He said, why are you here, preacher? 
I said, Joe, I want to come talk to you about Jesus. I said, Joe, if you died right now, where would you go? He said, preacher, I wouldn't go to heaven. I took out that Bible and I led him down Romans Road. We got done praying. I took him back to Romans 10, 13. I said, Joe, if you died right now, where would you go according to the word of God? Tears started coming down this man's face. He said, preacher, I'd go to heaven. Amen. I've only led one man to the Lord in BVDs. <laughs> and that was the dude. And I'll never forget when Joe passed away. That you could stand up at his funeral. I remember the day when Joe got saved. And I believe the Holy Ghost from heaven could say, I do too. Remember the day when Joe got saved. There's that confidence test. I'm not basing it off my feelings. I'm not basing my salvation off my feelings. No, I got the witness of the Holy Ghost. And I've got the witness of his word. That I'm saved, and I love this song. I'm saved and I know that I am. What an assurance for the child of God. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed tonight. And I know it's very simple, but I'm telling you, it's where we live. You'd be amazed how many people will stop me, call me, text me, want to meet with me. Preacher, I'm just not sure. And they struggle. They struggle. But it's something getting anchored down in my life. I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. These things that are written unto you that believe in the name of God that ye may know. And I'm thankful for that no-so salvation tonight. Tonight I want to do something a little bit different with our invitation. Maybe tonight we just turn this altar around to an altar of praise. God, I want to thank you for, being, for saving my soul. Thank you for the assurance of salvation. Maybe tonight we turn this altar around to an altar of praise and thanking the Lord for his great salvation. So rich and so free. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we love you tonight, God, and I thank you for your help, and I thank you for the truth of your word. Oh, God, I'm thankful for the building block of the assurance of our salvation. In Jesus' name.